We are today finishing up a sermon series we've been doing. Um, at three, three, started it three weeks ago. And the sermon series is really saying this is the start of the year for most of us who are involved in school or been in school for so long or the church program year. I mean, we've got the next nine months um, in front of us. And we wanted to do a sermon series that would help us to deliberately focus and saying during this school year, these next nine months, we want to grow. And we talked on week one about growing in our spiritual lives. Last week, we talked about growing um, physically with our bodies, like being healthy with our bodies. And today, we're going to talk about community and our connectedness with one another. And if you missed those other two sermons, you can pick them up online. They're available there. But today, we're going to turn, as I said, talk about community. And I want to start with this. Um, maybe if you don't hear anything else, I'm going to give you some reasons to, to why I think it's vital and important that you be here every Sunday that you can, right? And the first one, I'm going to start with something completely non-religious for a moment. I'm going to start with a study that came out about two years ago out of Vanderbilt um, with a professor there, uh, Marino Bruce, who did this study. They, they had about 5,000 people they were working with in this group, and they were looking at their health outcomes for, these, um, for over this duration of the study, and they were tracking a number of different variables, Three of the main variables that they were looking at were church attendance, um, they were looking at socioeconomic status, and they were looking at health insurance. And when they came through the algorithms and did all the processing of it, they came back and part of this, the results of this study said that if you are somebody who, um, if you don't attend church, you're twice as likely to die earlier than you should. That was part of their study. And I'd like to be able to st start right here and just say it's all because of Christ and gathering as a Christian community. But the actual fact, he goes on in the study to say it wasn't uh, specific to churches. It was churches or synagogues or mosques. It was any kind of household of faith. And uh, the professor, um, Bruce, says about that, that he felt this is him now trying to explain why he thinks this is the case. He says it's because these communities of faith have social support, a sense of compassion, which he describes as a feeling that you're doing good or having empathy for others, and holiness, which he explains as being part of something that's greater than oneself. All of these things contribute to reducing stress and putting people in a, in a bigger, deeper place to handle life that ultimately helps them live longer. So if, you, if you're just going to tune out now, you've heard enough to say, come back next week <laughs> and, and engage in church throughout the rest of the year. But I want to suggest there's a lot, lot, lot more reasons why a Christian would say it's vital for us to be connected and for us to engage um, in what we're doing this morning. And I kind of want to talk about a few of those kind of briefly and kind of give us a little meditation on that. And the first part about this is just thinking about the sacred writings, that scripture from start to finish is about the connectedness of community. And you look at, first of all, going back to Genesis, how God makes us to be a people who are wired for um, these kind of connections that were, that were meant to have um, people that were connected to. I think one of the other studies that came out in the last couple of months, some of you all may have seen this, is that even, even connection with your dog helps you live longer, right? But this idea that we're wired to have these different kinds of connections. And so we see that starting from the book of Genesis, and then we see throughout Scripture that God is busy developing a people. 
When the Israelites come out of Egypt, he forms them into a people. And you'll see again and again, he's dealing with a people. He's calling it community. He wants them to be about a community. And, and we see that basically all of scripture is written to be read as community, interpreted as community. And that's the pattern we've seen throughout the ages, that that's what takes place. And Jesus goes right there as well. You know, his very first time he's in the synagogue and they hand him the scroll from Isaiah and he reads, he's in the synagogue, he's in this public community, reading the scripture in community. And then there's usually would be a teaching in community and Jesus falls right into that. And then when we focus in on Jesus in particular, what we're doing today as we gather as the church and we think about church, we know he's the one who started this. So we start talking about the deep roots of our own theology in this. I mean, Jesus calls together 12 of this, the apostles in this inner crew. And um, I think our business gurus would say, I think you're only supposed to have seven direct reports now or something, but they've got 12. Jesus has got 12. And I think it, obviously it ties with the 12 tribes of Israel. But he's building a community and a church from day one. And like this isn't an afterthought of the church saying, oh, it'd be good if we put together this organization and franchised it or whatever. Jesus starts from the beginning. And you hear him tell Peter back in Matthew 16, I mean, you're Peter and on this rock, I'm going to build the church. I mean, Jesus in his lifetime early on is talking about the church, the role of the church, the place of the church. And then for us, he, he's giving us words about it. And he's telling us, Whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Like the, and, you know, I've said this before, but we think about God being present in lots of different ways. The church believes God is present everywhere. But we also believe he's uniquely present in some specific ways, in, in more powerful ways. I'll say more about it in a minute, but the communion, we'll talk about him being present there. But we also know when we, he, Jesus tells us straight up, when two or three are gathered together in his name, there I am in the midst. And today, we got a bunch of us gathering in his name. And we can say with great confidence, he's here. Some mystical way, uniquely present with us here today. So part of the reason we gather is to be in that thing. That somehow God blesses us, teaches us, encourages us, all the different ways. And he tells us again in John 13, that we're meant to be known by our love. Like he's telling all his followers, okay, you guys, after I'm gone, you guys are going to form the church. You're going to live the church. And people are going to look at that community and say, look at how they love each other. Look at how they care for each other. There's something going on there. That's how they're going to be known. What, what's up with that? Oh, that's because that's the way Jesus taught them to be. That we're, that's community. That's a part of our interconnectedness. And then the early church from the get-go, this is what was modeled. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and do all this. And we see that they were gathered in this radical community. I don't, I don't know if God tweaked this moment to say, we need to start it with some extra gusto at the start. But he read in our, our first reading today, they were selling everything they had. They were living in community. They were worshiping every single day. They were like super connected and involved with one another at the, at the start of this thing and what they did. And that's the community that God begins. And that's the, the, the early church doing that way. And then I want to turn, as you think about this, continue to think about this, what God's calling us to do. I want to think about three different images that St. Paul gives us. And the first of which is how St. Paul talks about us being formed as a single temple. 
And I think the reason he does that is because he wants to emphasize how connected we are. Let me read. This is from Ephesians 2. Um, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. He said, and then he goes on to say this, in him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This, he holds up this image that we're formed into a, a temple, this building, that's this special building that God, God's presence is in. And I think the reason he uses that metaphor is to emphasize the connectivity. Every part of a building has got its job, and every part of the building is helping to hold the structure, and all of it's brought together. And that's one of the images that St. Paul wants to put out there for what we're meant to be as a people. There are two more. The second one is that we're meant to be a living body. And he says this in many places. I'm going to just give you all two examples. Backing up one chapter from where I just read at the start of Ephesians. He says, and he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then when he's writing to the Romans, and he's trying to explain to these people he's never met before about what church is like, what church is about. He says um, this in Romans 12. He says, for as in one body, we have many members and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. Paul is going out of his way to try to emphasize how connected we are and there are other passages where he's going to talk about the body parts and don't think the toes better than the head and all these different, all these different kinds of things. But the point I want to get is just Paul is again and again, we're the temple, everything's built up. We're the body, every, we're all connected as one organism that's functioning together. And then the third uh, metaphor or analogy that he gives is that we're meant to be one family. And he said, there, there are a couple places in scripture that talk about this. Romans 8 he talks about how the Holy Spirit allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, and in that to know that we're children. And so sometimes you'll hear preachers talk about brothers and sisters. It's because, it's because we're family. It's, I mean, I'm not making fun of that. I mean, we're family. We're meant to be brothers and sisters. And on Name Tag Sundays, I'm always trying to emphasize your family. Let's try to at least meet the people next to you, me who's not very good with names. But we're, we want to try to meet and be connected, because we are family. We're, that is a solid image. In fact, it's my favorite image, that we're meant to be family. And um, you think that's a nice thing, but it's really meant to be a real deal. And that's what we want to try to lean into this year. I want to turn here and pivot just a little bit. Some of you are thinking, okay, this is, I'm just talking theology right now. I'm just talking about some of the scripture passages. I want to kind of talk about what it means where the rubber meets the road for a few minutes. What does it mean for us as we live this out. And I want to give just a, a few thoughts. There are many more I could give than what I want to do right now. But the first thing about it is, um, again, Paul and some of the others who write in the New Testament will talk about how what it means is that we're to be a people who encourage one another. And there are lots of places that say that. First Thessalonians, Paul talks about going on encouraging one another as, as you're doing. That's part of what the church is meant to be. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. 
in, in, in how we carry each other. And then Romans 12 talks about how, you know, we're to cry with one another, laugh with one another. It's part of living life together. We're supposed to live this stuff together, help one another. Or Galatians 6, 2, that talks about carrying the burdens of one another. That's part of what we're meant. We're supposed to come together as a family and help each other. And one of the common things I hear very frequently coming through tragedies or through particularly hard patches of life, I have people who will tell me, and you don't always get to hear this from where you are, but they'll say, I'm so glad for the church. I don't know how people who don't have the church get through this, this tragedy, this funeral, this divorce, this whatever it is, without people who are wanting to love and encourage and support other people. It's a key piece. And, and I don't actually, I also will echo that. I don't know how people do it who don't have that. Um, and it's always when you know somebody that's going through some great suffering, cancer, whatever, it's a, it's a great time to invite them to the church, not for some self-serving reason, but because we're meant to reach out and love and bring people into this fold of encouragement and, and love and, and, and carrying the burdens of one another is part of what the church is meant to be about. Also, one of the other things we might point to, maybe a less popular one, is there's a little bit of accountability in this. Like, there are lots of scriptures that talk about this, both from a positive and a negative. There's scriptures that will say, you know, Matthew 18 will kind of gives this story about how somebody's off in the weeds. You need to go help them get back out of the weeds. Or you can think about Paul saying in other places, hang out with good people because it affects you. He says, bad company ruins good morals. This idea that if you get into the wrong crowd, it leads you into, into a bad place. And part of what the church is meant to be about is we may screw stuff up. We may get stuff really wrong, but we are at least trying to keep our compass on north. And we're a group of people who are going to lay that down. We mess stuff up, but we're trying to, to point to what's good and right and holy and all these other things. And it makes a difference. Many years ago, I was in a um, young marriage group that at a church and we used to have a guy's night out once a month. And the great thing about that was, um, as we headed out each night, we did this. Nobody had to worry. We were going to go off the reservation real far because everybody, there was this implicit thing written into that, that you have a group of people who want to honor God with what they do. And it makes a difference. So we want to have a good number of people around us that are like that. So the accountability is part of that. Um, there's support in what we do. Um, I think the encouragement piece remains like a really strong piece of this. I read uh, just the other day a, an article in the New York Times that was about a church in Chinatown in Manhattan. The Church of Grace, I think, is the name of it. And the pastor there is a Mr. Chen. But he, he told the story in the New York Times that many, many of the people they were ministering to were immigrants who did not speak English. And in his explanation, many of them were stir fry cooks and dishwashers and all these things throughout the entire country. But Monday through Thursday, this church had um, basically worship uh, on a conference call. And they would have people from San Francisco to New York all calling in. And in Chinese, they would sing hymns, they would do a Bible study, and they would pray. And he talks about what an encouragement it is for people who feel lonely because they don't speak the language and for people who are trying to find their way that like how vital this was. So part of what the church is, is supporting, encouraging, uplifting, 
you know, all of these different things, accountability, all the different pieces that are involved in this. And along with that, I think there's growth, iron sharpens iron. I think there's this aspect of mission. The study that I started with that they did at the University of Vanderbilt, it's about being something bigger than you. And if you don't get this, if you've never read the New Testament, I promise you God is calling you into something bigger than you. Christianity may be about you individually as you come into it, like making a commitment. We don't talk about it a lot as Episcopalians, but when you were baptized as a child, one of the things your godparents said for you is that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to respect the dignity of all people. You take all these vows, your, your parents and your godparents do it for you. And then when you're confirmed, you own those things. I'm doing all these things. And then after that, that's all about you leaning in. But after that, it's all about being in a community. It's all about taking on this mission from a bigger perspective together after that point. And the mission is all about worship and service and helping the poor and all these different things, the connectedness that we're talking about, taking care of one another, all that's part of the mission. And it's a big, big thing. One of the best church leaders I've ever heard speak, the only church leader who's ever had a Harvard Business Review written about his church, used to say that the hope of the world is not from government, it's not from academia, it's not from business, it's from the local church. And the reason he said that it's because the local church is about connecting people with God in a way that will change them. It'll change your mission, your priorities, and your outlook. All of that will get changed. And that's the mission all of us are called into. So just a few more things. You know, the part of what that means for us is that this place is meant to be a place of hospitality, of grace, of love. My biggest prayer for us as a community is that you will go out of your way to love anybody who comes down to this service. And you won't say, oh, you're in my chair. <laughs> You'll say, you know, please, be, you know, please be seated. You know, that kind of thing. I know a guy who, who went through a divorce and was in deep pain where he could barely talk to anybody. And he came in and sat on the back row for a year. And people welcomed him and gave him the peace and did all these things, but kind of gave him his space. And he just sat in the back and received. And it took him an entire year before he was ready to come out of his shell or realize there was life beyond that. But he talks about how powerful that year of just having people, the smiles, the welcome, the peace of the Lord made all the difference to him during that year. And it matters. So part of the reason we gather for those people who are not here today. We want to gather to be a community that says, God's real, God loves you, come in, and we want you to experience that. That's the second piece. Well, the final thing that I want to talk about today as, as, we, as we land this thing is, not these nine months, how do we lean into that a little further? I want, the first two things I want to say is what we say at St. Michael's 101. We've got one coming up next month. But um, the, when we have new members to our church come through, we ask for a number of commitments. And I'm going to mention the first two. The first two commitments we ask of everybody new to the church, and if you've been here for 30 years, you may not know it, but this is what our new folks are being asked. If you are in town and you're not sick, that you'll be here. Like, I want to make Sunday mornings easy for you. You don't have to get up and say, church or not church? Should I go or not? I've got all these things to do. You'll get up and say, I'm not sick and I'm in town. I'm going. <laughs> that's what we're asking, that we ask of people, and that's what I th 
that's not a big ask, to be honest. Um, and the second thing is that sometime during this program year, do one thing to grow in your faith, either to learn or to serve. Go to a Sunday school class or we're coming up here the first Wednesday of October, we're going to Austin Street Center to serve 300 something homeless people. I mean, that was like cheating because you serve on that deal and, and you're the one that gets blessed out of that. I mean, the people are so grateful down there and you and I'll, I'll just brag on St. Michael's a little bit. Most churches serve peanut butter and jellies. We serve hot food, man. They're like, whoa, it's one of these churches giving us, you know, whatever it is. And it's just it's just fun. But do something, do something to get from being a spectator to I'm going to do something or be a volunteer. See Colleen after the service and say, I want to be a chalice bearer. I want to read. I want to do something or go serve or figure out something you're going to do outside of your normal circle and what you do. And so, the, I mean, the, and the, along with that, the two final things, we all have gifts. God has given everybody in this room a gift, at least one. And it's meant to be to benefit this community. Find out what it is. If it's hospitality, let's get you greeting. If it's service, if it's whatever, we'll help you find out what it is. You will be blessed when you use it. And the people who come and serve will be blessed as they experience it. It's a win-win all the way. The key is to make this a priority. Make make it matter. So I want to leave you guys with uh, some homework. The two final things at lunch today or tonight, or this week, meditate on this. What is God's place for the church? Like, just think about what, how God has made the church, what the church is about. And then ask the question, what is the church for you? What does God want you to do with the church in your own life? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us, and that you call us in your mercy, in your love, in your grace. We don't deserve it, but you do it. And Lord, you call us not only to know you, but to also be connected as a family. And you've long taught us that we can pick our friends, but not our family. So you bring us together as this group. Fill us with your love that we can love everybody here and we can love those who come. May we offer the same grace and mercy and love that you've given us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.